What's up, everybody? This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. I'm Joe Longo, and I'm here with my good friend, Jason Blau. Hey, Joe. What's up, man? What's happening? Good to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for uh, coming over to hang out with me and Stella today. So if you guys don't know, Jason is a meditation coach, a meditation teacher, a life coach. Jason can coach you. Of all the things. Of all the things. Yeah. So really quick, like let's say, you know, maybe three minutes, four minutes. Who, who's Jason Blau? Tell us. Well, thanks, Joe, for the opportunity to hang out and to reach your audience. It's always fun um, hanging out with you and being inspired by the work that you're doing. So thanks. Who am I? Well, I have spent the last couple of years becoming an expert, I like to think, in teaching the practice of meditation. What I've done over the last couple of months is moved into a world where I'm a meditation teacher, a transformation coach, and a motivational speaker, all using the practice of meditation, which is the foundation for really tuning in and trying to determine what it is that you want in your life, getting clear and specific, and then using the principles of the practice to really influence uh, your daily living, the way in which you conduct everything from the words that you think uh, and say to the actions that you take. That's awesome. So recently in my journey, um, as most people know, because I've been talking about it a lot because it's, it's pretty important to me, I stopped smoking weed. And when I first stopped, uh, every time I felt the urge to smoke, I would sit down and breathe and meditate. And it really enhanced my practice. In it, it, I found this fun space meditating and going to different realms because I was talking to my friend Amy yesterday about it and I had mentioned that I have five beers in my fridge and I don't want to drink the beer at night because I don't want to spoil (laughs) my meditation practice yeah and I feel those beers are gonna sit there forever because I'm enjoying dropping into this meditation space so much I I think that Marijuana topic is really fascinating. We have all uh, been hearing about, you know, the legalization of marijuana and all the health benefits of it. But in reality, it does what all other alcohol or medications do, which is create more of a fog in the mind. You think that you're becoming more creative by smoking pot or chilling out with a beer after work. But I think in reality, you're just numbing. Uh, the pain or suffering that you may be feeling in any given moment, rather than taking some time to be with those feelings, reflecting on them, and then using that as fuel to move in a different direction. Right. And I do want to preface, I don't think that if you enjoy smoking a bowl or having a beer or wine, that's totally fine. And I think marijuana is a great plant if used properly. I have found I was using it as a plant to hide from the things that I didn't want to see. So I wasn't using it right. Now, sure, there are people that, you know, it's great for back pain or whatever. Awesome. Use it for the purpose that it's for. Don't use it as a mask to hide from the things that you don't want to see. Absolutely. I mean, chronic pain is 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 difficult to manage and deal with. And then when you think about it, yeah, you may be using marijuana or some other intoxicant to dull or numb the pain, but if the pain is in the mind, 90% of chronic pain can be absolved by just redirecting where the mind is focused. And so that's where we talk about things like meditation or yoga or other levels of deep exercise 
that enable you to refocus your attention and feel less pain. Right. So let's rewind a little bit. When did you start meditating? How did you find it? What, what brought you to the practice? Well, sometimes I like to say meditation found me at a time when I was really suffering. At the time, I didn't really know that I was suffering. The journey to meditation for me began about six years ago. I was working full-time in corporate America. You remember those days, right? Yeah, good old days. And I was really doing great. I had a fantastic job in the high-paying, uh, financially stable industry of medical device sales. I was experiencing, like so many other industries, this idea of consolidation. And many companies were merging or acquiring or selling themselves off so that they could grow and support the larger and growing health systems. And while all of that was happening, there was a lot of change uh, going on within the organizations. And I felt like, although I was a really great salesperson, I was also working amongst a lot of other really great salespeople. And so in order to differentiate myself and separate myself from the crowd, I thought it would be best to go back to school and enter into a master's degree, an MBA program with a focus in on business. And so I did. I entered into a local program with Penn State University, a two-year program meeting every other weekend for people who had been out of school for at least 10 years. It was an executive level program. I was nervous, but at the same time thought that it would really help me to get to where I wanted to be, higher up in the corporate ladder, so to speak. One week prior to starting the master's degree, my daughter Lexi was born, adding a lot of stress and complexity to a already complex and stressful life. The medical device sales world, as you may know, is high pressure. It's always about reaching goals and trying to uh, continue to achieve uh, what it is that the company had set for you to do, and it was tough and challenging. And so I entered into the master's program and did pretty well. I spent a lot of extra time uh, in the morning and at night trying to study a little bit harder than I think everybody else had to. It was always hard for me to take that little X from one side of the equal sign to the other. Mm -hmm. I had maybe forgotten or maybe didn't pay as much of attention in school as I had or maybe should have. And so I spent a lot of time studying and uh, also trying to be a new dad. I was in a new marriage at the time and Man, life was really tough. Mm -hmm. I also engaged in some narcotic use <laughs> as well as some prescription use uh, in order to balance myself and to keep myself in some state of balance uh, to manage the stress and anxiety that I was feeling. And what I was going through was tough because I was on a lot of these medications and self-medicating without much doctor intervention or um influence and that was a hard pill no no pun intended to swallow i worked through the mba and i made it i did very well actually and was proud of my accomplishment two years later when i came out of the mba joe i was in a fog i <laughs> i had no idea what was going on i was so reactionary i somebody would say something and i would yell scream freak out and even at times hit or punch a wall or something close to me, and it didn't feel good. I was really uh, not liking who I was. And so some people close to me recommended that I go see more doctors and potentially take more medication. And so 
after some level of resistance, I did. I went to see the chief of psychology at the local hospital. And after 35 minutes, if you could believe this, this doctor wanted to put me on more medication. Of course. And that just didn't sit right with me. It didn't feel good. And so I filled the prescription that he had offered, came home, and then never actually took one of those pills. Instead, against medical, the best medical opinion or advice, I stopped taking all the medications, the anti-anxiety meds that I'd been on for 10 plus years, and cold turkey removed myself from that environment and suffered greatly for about six or seven weeks. I was having withdrawal symptoms and a lot of negative thoughts about my life and um, how I can continue or not continue. And it scared me dramatically. I really sort of freaked out and thought, well, yoga had always been a great practice. I had been doing yoga on and off for several years prior. And I thought, well, let me go and get myself to a yoga class. Let me get grounded and reset in my own body. And I went down to Philadelphia and took what was one of my favorite classes with a favorite teacher. And as luck would have it, the teacher was out sick. <laughs> and instead, a, another teacher who I'd never met stepped in, had a great yoga practice. But at the end of the practice, this teacher offered 15 minutes of what she called guided meditation. And in that moment of stillness and silence and just being with my thoughts without having to feel the need to interact with them, I felt so much peace and relaxation. And I thought, this is what I've been searching for. And although I didn't really know what meditation was, four, five, six years ago, meditation wasn't as mainstream as it is today. I thought, let me just sit here every day for a few minutes and see what happens if I just try to be quiet and remain still. And I did for about 236 consecutive days tracking this on an app. And that was the beginning of my journey. It wasn't always easy, but very quickly afterwards, things began to shift. And it set me on a path of trying to explore what this practice was, what it was all about, and how it could really help me in exploring who I really was deep down inside. So a little long-winded story, but I think one that may resonate with your uh, listeners, because we all suffer dramatically mm -hmm. from this thing we call stress. Right. And it's, it's, it's funny because going back to the conversation that I was having with my friend Amy yesterday, a couple of months ago, we hung out after a photo shoot that I was on that, that Amy was at. And a bunch of us were hanging out and she brought this up yesterday that when she left, she was like, wow, it's interesting to think because Amy is a yoga teacher as well. And, you know, obviously I, t I teach yoga and meditation and stuff. And she's like, I got in my car and I was driving home and I'm thinking, Joe and I are doing these things and Joe and I are sad. And nobody probably knows that we're sad, like that we're going through this muck. And it's like, we're all going through shit and no one ever really knows what's happening on the inside depending on how we're presenting ourselves on the outside. So it's like, we're all struggling out there. Like if you're listening, you're like, oh fuck, I'm sad. It's okay to be sad and sorry for that F-bomb. I'm trying to be so aware of you're them and, not, great, Joe. and not, not let and them fly. And pat yourself on the back. Thanks. Because it's Thanks. the little successes that really matter in life. Right, and just acknowledging that, anyway, that I'm trying not to say the words. You know, but if you are listening and you feel sad sometimes, it's okay, it's normal, you know? but. Our breath is there. And I think sometimes p 
people, when people say the word meditation, it, the mind instantly goes to, I can't do that. I can't sit down. I can't be yeah. alone. So what would be like one tip for someone that instantly would say, I can't meditate. What, what would you say to that person? that's like, I'm sad. I wish I could meditate, but I can't. How can they start flipping that switch and reprogramming? Yeah, that's a great question, Joe. But I want to address your idea or thought here about us struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, part of a human experience is the struggle. It's this idea that life is about the pain and the pleasure. What the social media has world has created is this idea of posting all about the pleasure in life. Sure. Which has created, at least from my perspective, a sense of true jealousy. I love what Joe has and, you know, my friend who I thought isn't deserving, has all of this goodness, and it seems like their life is great and perfect. But it's a cycle, and so what is good today may not be great tomorrow. And because it looks better to be happy in you know, jumping off of a cliff into a beautiful, you know, waterfall, rather than sitting there talking about how you feel depressed, we tend to give more attention to the positive aspects. Mm -hmm. And although nobody wants to hear somebody complaining about their life or um, constantly being negative, I think that we need to find a way to start to support each other uh, and ask questions and start to listen for the answers. Like, hey Joe, how are you feeling today? And if I've created this space where you feel comfortable and safe to say what it is that you're actually feeling, and you say, hey Jay, I'm feeling sad today, then I should, even, if, even with two guys just sitting together, be able to support you and say, hey, tell me more. Help me to understand what it is that's making you sad. And we're fixers. I think all of us in mm -hmm. our true nature, we want to help each other get better. And I think we need to just simply be there for one another and start to listen. And it's a good segue, I think, to this idea of meditation. The idea that we can sit still and not respond or react. Mm -hmm. And so the first tip that I would give is to trust that you can do this thing called meditation. Trust that your body will give you exactly what you need if you allow it to. We spend so much time trying to control and manipulate and change. I use the word manipulate with a lot of my coaching clients and they say, oh no, not me, I'm, I'm not a manipulator because there's a negative connotation to manipulating. But it's what the mind does. It creates really in the subconscious the experience that we're having, they say 87% of our thoughts are negative. Mm -hmm. And everybody always shakes their head like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what if we get conscious with those negative thoughts first to realize we're having them? Once we realize we're having them, we try to let go of some of the judgment, right? Oh, I shouldn't be this way or I shouldn't feel that way. or, And then once we're conscious... Let's start to change them. Right. Let's start to get clear on the thoughts that we'd like to have or like to think. And that's where you've done a lot of great work in your uh, YouTube channel and your podcast in inspiring people to think about and create the life that they desire. Right. And I think exactly. that's really powerful. And so 
the definition of meditation for all of those that are listening is single pointed focus. We all have the ability to look at a coffee mug like the one you have here, Joe, sitting on the desk. Stare at it. Go ahead, do it. Look at it for as long as you can. Ultimately, look, you look back towards well, me. Sure, you, I, you I, I want to give the, the attention to you. you got but dis- anyway. You got distracted. Right. The minute you remember that you're supposed to be looking at the coffee mug, go ahead, try it again, and you refocus your attention, that is actually the practice of meditation. Everybody can do it. We can all select an object, something to look at, something to focus on, stay fixed or focused on it for a length of time. Notice when the mind gets distracted and then bring it back. That is what we do in meditation. Everybody can do it. It's not easy though. It's not. And here, because I just heard this on a, on a, another podcast the other day, a woman talking about meditating because, you know, our mind instantly goes to, I can't, I can't. And she's like, I've discovered I have a really hard time sitting. And I just, it's not comfortable. I have a hard time, but I love going for walks. So I've turned my walks into my meditations. Yeah. And as I'm walking, I'll just do that same, that focus, and I'll focus on the birds, the sound of the birds, the sound of the, whatever that amazing creature is that's making all the noise outside my house, cicadas or whatever they are, or focus on the leaves. So, do you know why that works? Because it's that same single point of focus, but but you're moving. But do you know why we feel better when we pick a single point of focus? Tell me why. What's really fascinating is for tens of thousands of years, we've survived as a human race by being generally aware and alert of all of the things that are going on around us. Think about it. You put yourself in the driver's seat of a car and you look straight ahead outside of the windshield. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? There's cars and coming straight at you. There are planes flying overhead and people walking about, dogs barking and kids running and playing. We're aware of all of these things, but we're not reacting. We're not swerving every time a car comes near us. We're not reacting every time we hear the voice of a child. We're just sort of going about our drive. And the reason why we're able to do that is because we have a single point of focus. It's the road ahead. Now, have you ever gotten distracted while driving? Pick up your phone, check your Instagram feed, or maybe you're just thinking about thoughts and you don't even realize that you're driving. When that happens, when you lose the focus on one thing, the body gets tense. We drift into the next lane, our heart starts pounding fast, and we react, we swerve back in. When we refocus on the road ahead, everything else then fades back into the background where we can just notice it and be with it, observe it without really feeling a need to react or respond. And so the practice of meditation helps you to sort of train your body to instead of respond, just stay still and focused. And being focused is, is, is a practice in which you need to unlearn because we're, we've been trained our whole life to multitask mm-hmm. and to... Um, be aware and alert of all the things. We interact with them because we think we have to, but in reality, if we just pause, stay focused on the road ahead, so to speak, or in a single-pointed you know, focus or an object of some sort, the body will naturally react and respond. And over time, the mind will wander less, 
You'll have a greater ability to notice when the mind has wandered and an easier time bringing it back to your single point of focus. All right. I kind of want, I want to jump back to the negative thoughts that we have so many negative thoughts because I heard this stat the other day that 90% of our thoughts that we have today were the same exact thoughts that we had yesterday oh, yeah. and the day before. Yeah. And that's why nothing changes because we're continually Grand having day, those, or Groundhog Day. Yeah. We're continually having that same thought. And the more that you get into your meditation practice and you start noticing those things, then you can start changing where the thought is going. So if you start having a, a, a thought that doesn't feel good, your like internal compass is going to be like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And then change the thought. And maybe it's changing the thought into something simple that you enjoy, like puppies or kittens, whatever it may be. Bring the thought back to something that makes you smile, makes you feel good, and then continue on. But it's, it's, it, it is a practice. I say it a lot because it's not just, oh, it's just going to happen. You have to practice these things. Yeah, people tell me all the time, well, I've tried it once and it didn't work. Right. Well, I hear it all the time because I talk so much about manifestation and the different things to do to start creating what you want. And as soon as you say the word manifestation, people flash to the movie The Secret. <laughs> and they're like, well, I made a vision board and nothing happened. Well, sure, you made a vision board one day. And then you put that vision board somewhere and that was it. There, you put no more attention into what you want to bring. And you put no, what's the word I'm looking for? Like no inspired action out into the world to yeah. then start bringing what you want yeah. into your life. But you have to practice all of these things. We create our own experiences mm -hmm. through our words, our thoughts, and our actions. Most of us, our actions are pretty good. We're not doing like real harsh things like killing or stealing or things like that. Our words at times can be harsh, especially towards ourselves and also towards others, but it's our thoughts that are really tearing us down. There is such a deep level of negativity in the worry and fear. What if I put myself out there and nobody likes what I have to say? What if I open up my bank statement and the you know, the bottom number reads zero. What if I go to my job and get fired? There's all this creation of the experience because we're focused on it. And so how do we change our experience? Well, if our experiences are created by our words, our thoughts, and our actions, then one would suspect that if we change our words, our thoughts, and our actions, then our experiences will change. And then the question is, well, what do you want to change them into? Did you know there are 1,440 minutes each day? I've done the math. It's true. Mm -hmm. Believe me, right? And most of those uh, minutes are spent thinking about the things that we don't want to happen. And so one of the first exercises I go and do with my coaching clients is to ask, well, what, did, what do you want if you could have anything in your life? And most people respond with, uh, you know, I... Uh, yeah, never thought about, never thought about that. And I thought, well, what if, just for a moment, you began to think about that? And that's where we can start to put the foundational practice of meditation to use. We begin by quieting the mind, turning down the noise, so to speak, so that you can allow, you listen to your body and your mind, think, what is it saying? And use that as a starting point for creation, as you would say, or manifesting the life that you desire. Yeah, and first step for everyone, turn off your television. Turn off. Stop watching the news. Stop it. You, 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 immediately. Immediately. You might see one positive news story, maybe a week, 
if that. So then you're just getting flooded with that negativity and that worry that then is programming in you, you and you don't even realize because it's just going right into your subconscious and then you're in this space of worry. So you, you have to stop letting that negativity into your life. I read an article or saw a post somewhere, some, some way in the last couple of weeks and it, it offered this suggestion about being healthy and mindful is less about doing something and incorporating it into everything that you do. Right, it's the TV shows that we watch. It's the people that we hang out with. It's the music that we listen to. It's the, um, it's everything. It's the food we put in our mouths. It's we have to be mindful and aware and deliberately make choices that fulfill us. That would raise our vibration. What does that mean, right? What What does it mean to raise your vibration? Well, when you feel sad and lonely and depressed, that's a low vibration. When you feel happy and excited and fulfilled and serving and helping others, your vibration raises and the raising of the vibration makes you feel better. And so if, as you said, we're watching, you know, hours upon hours of, of the, the cycle of news and we're sitting amongst people who are complaining or we're eating fast food, then our, we're not going to feel good. The vibration is, is low. And so in order to change that, we have to almost put ourselves in a completely different uh, environment and surrounding. And I think it's really important and key to, to, to take a few moments to notice this. Mm -hmm. How do I feel? Yeah. And when you notice, oh, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm not feeling all that happy. What can you do to try to change it? And one of the things that I love to do, I love to sing. Like, I love singing. I know. Singing. I experience your singing. Yeah. I love it. And it makes me feel good. And there was a time in my life, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Damien Rice, but Damien Rice writes some of the most sad and depressing songs. And I can't, I can't listen to it because I know what it's going to do to me physically and mentally. But if I put on Jason Mraz, that's just like this fun, happy music, instantly I start feeling better. And that's how easy it is to start raising your vibration. So notice what might make you feel a little crappy and then figure out what makes you feel good. Maybe it is, you know, an artist like Jason Mraz or Weird Al Yankovic or someone silly. Maybe it's a comedian. Whatever it is that will get you smiling, put a smile on your face and you will start feeling better. I heard something that you said while chatting the other day on the phone. You said, I'm going to add this song to my playlist. And I thought, that's an awesome idea. Like, what if I made my playlist to be almost the theme of my day? Right. And I got up and I played this playlist and thought, and I began to think, like, what would be on my playlist, right? And I think there's a space for sad love songs or, you know, things like that. I mean, they've worked and they fulfill and they validate maybe mm -hmm. the way we feel. But what if you went out there and sought songs or high vibrational, you know, musical, you know, expressions, anything that makes you feel better and use that to start your day. Yeah, I literally have a morning playlist that I try to listen to every morning. And the first track on that playlist is Aloe Black, I'm the Man. And yeah. like, you try to listen to I'm the Man and not feel like you're the man, 
It's impossible. Impossible. Like you just start like, yeah, I, I'm the man. I can take on, like, I can take on this life. I am the man. And I know you just did a YouTube video on these most two most powerful words, which are <laughs> I am. I like to say whatever follows the words I am follows me. And so we hear the term affirmation or positive uh, sayings or statements that we can repeat over and over to ourselves to lift our spirit or vibration. And this idea of I am is so powerful. I am the man, I am worthy or the woman, uh, I am beautiful. And if you tell yourself these positive words, these positive statements enough times, you will believe them the same way that you're currently believing all of the negative things. I have a young daughter and uh, being a single dad to a little girl is fun but also interesting at times like when we have to brush and braid her hair. But one of the cool things that I've been doing for now years is as I brush her hair in the morning, she's brushing her teeth. And when she finishes brushing her teeth, she begins to say some positive statements. We always start with I am, and she says her name, Lexi. And then she starts, she has a list of them. I am smart, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am powerful. And she continues down this list, even to the point of saying, I am no better than anybody else. Nobody is any better than me. If I fall, I pick myself up and keep moving forward. Then we go inside and we talk about, I am loving, I am caring, I am respectful, I am patient. And she says, I love mom and dad. Mom and dad love me. And that's the way she starts her school day. And I think, just for a moment, can you imagine looking at yourself in the mirror and stating five or 10 or 15 really positive statements that as you suggest, begin with the words I am, and then show up at work, nothing would bother you. You would be in too high of a vibrational state to allow for anybody's negativity or low vibration to even interrupt or interfere with that frequency. Right, and we were talking about it last night. I mean, if you think about Muhammad Ali, all he said was, I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. And Muhammad Ali was the greatest, no doubt. And he believed it. And he said it so much and believed it. He was it. Sure, he had great talents, but he was it. And everyone believed it. And now you say, I'm the greatest. If you say, I'm the greatest, guaranteed anyone would be like Muhammad Ali. Like, you'll connect with Muhammad Ali just by saying, I'm the greatest. Absolutely. You got to own it. And no matter what anyone in your life may say to you, oh, positive affirmations, whatever, they don't work. They don't work if you don't put in the practice. Like going back to the whole practice, do it every morning. I challenge everyone out there listening, create five I am statements totally. and try it for a week. Every morning as soon as you wake up and see what happens. See, how, see if you notice a shift in your life. By the way, I want to acknowledge that this is not easy. It is really difficult Working with a lot of my transformation coaching clients, one of the challenges is to sit down and write some nice things about yourself. And it's hard. And I get it. But try it. As Joe said, just start, even with one. We allow for our ego to get in the way. And I think the ego is something that we've also put a negative spin on. The ego is what's kept us alive. It's the part of the mind that stays aware and alert. And it also creates this desire uh, to get what it is that you want right now. And so it takes time and patience to allow for your sort of 
you know, mind and body to align with some of these things. But don't allow this idea of I'm the greatest to create a false sense of negative egotisticalness, right? It's not about being better than somebody else. It's about being your greatest. Exactly. Your best. Yeah, the best version that you could possibly be. And sort of sitting in that power, stepping into the power of who you are deep down in the core, uh, that power center that exists sort of in the solar plexus, Mm -hmm. uh, in the belly, that fire that burns within you once you feel or you know, notice things that really spark or create some level of desire in you. Right. And one thing that I, I would also encourage, if I can suggest one I am statement to add for everyone, I am worthy. Because I feel just as humans, we have been beat down to think that we're not worthy. Or if I have, you're not going to have. And we have to change from going into this space that there's not enough that there, we are in the space of abundance and there's enough for all of us. And by me having isn't going to stop Jay from having. There's enough for all of us and we're all worthy. You know, it's interesting. I am an identical twin. My brother Scott lives in Denver. He took another path. We both tried to get grounded uh, after a really interesting childhood. And he went to Denver and grounds down hiking and fly fishing and doing some great adventurous things out there. But being a twin was not always easy. There was a lot of unspoken competition between us. Who did better in school? Who had more girlfriends? Who made more money this year? And if I did something as a kid, my brother also did something, and there was no real room for individuality. And it really began to breed this idea of competitiveness. Like if my brother Scott got something and he had more of it, then that would be less. And it took me some level of real maturity and understanding that if we just work together, we would both be better off. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so in competition with each other all the time. If we would just start to be part of the whole. I heard a great saying, I wish I could give credit to who said it, but it said one of the opportunities for us to all grow is through this idea of uh, we think we're the one. Mm-hmm. And the change, the thought process that needs to shift is this idea that we're just one of the ones. We're all interconnected. My words, thoughts, and actions affect you and yours and vice versa. And the sooner that we can understand and realize that we're all on this planet to serve, the sooner you will become happier and more content with where you are. Mm-hmm. I always like to say there's two reasons for living. One is to experience all that life has to offer. The pain, sorry it's coming, and the pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. And to be happy. And my teachers would say the only way to be truly happy is to go out and help someone else to be happy. And I think we've all experienced that with these little things that we do to help a loved one who's sick or Uh, can't do something we come and we help out and we leave feeling so happy and grateful and fulfilled for the opportunity to give to someone else and I think that's really powerful Uh, if all else fails then go find somebody else who needs help and help them which is why I think it's cool what you do a lot of the time is go out and help others find the creativeness within in them You, you call it 
uh, capturing the light within, which I think is one of the best uh, ideas or slogans, right? Because we all have this light. And sometimes, even amongst the darkness that exists out there, right, outside of us, if we go in and find that light within, you think about, like, even a small flame can light up a mm-hmm. really dark area or place. So, um, it's a lot of exploration, and I think some of us are fearful or nervous to explore. But if you push through by taking one step and then another, you don't have to figure it all out on day one. Just start. Just start. And you don't have to think that I'm going to start a meditation practice and I have to sit down for a half hour. Start for a minute. Start for 30 seconds. Just notice three breaths in and out of the body. Just start, though. Stop with the I can'ts and start with the I can'ts. I can'ts. The only difference between, and I love using kids as an example because they're our greatest teacher, and with my daughter, she'll say, Dad, but I can't. I said, the only thing that's holding you back from doing this is your words. And so I say, let's try again. Let's change them, Lexi. And she says, okay, Dad, I will. And automatically, she accomplishes whatever it is that she's doing just by changing, just by reframing and feeling confident in, in doing it. It didn't mean that she did it the best or the best that she could ever do. She just did it. And that starting point is just a starting point. It's just that. There's a great quote out there that says, a year from now, you'll be glad you started today. Exactly. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about putting yourself out there. And that's tough. You know, even for me, I sit in front of classes to guide and teach meditation. I stand in front of large corporations and give, you know, motivational talks and try to uplift and inspire, motivate people. But it's hard for me to turn on Instagram and, and, you know, tell somebody a great tip or an idea that I have. And I think, well, what if I just start? What if I try? And I did one and it felt good. And then I do another one and it felt even better. And then three or four or five or 10 days from now, I'm sure it will feel even more natural. And, you know, I'll be able to look back and see the progress that I've made. It's this idea that um, we're so focused on the outcome, the goal. Instead of focusing on the goal, what if we just focus in on our intention? Mm-hmm. And you think about intention, like even walking. You have to intend to walk, and then you use your willpower to move your foot forward. And so rather than attaching to the outcome or the expectation of a goal, we create our intention. And maybe we take a step forward and it doesn't feel good, and we have the chance to take a step back or take a step to the side. But let's try to make those decisions once we gather more information, not make the assumptions that this ain't going to work out. Right, exactly. But you just have to start. So, this was great, Jay. Thank you for uh, sitting down on my couch. We'll have to do this again because I'm sure we can just keep talking and talking and talking. But before we jump off, a couple things. If you can recommend one book that you really enjoy, that the people out there, and it could be meditation related, it could be anything, some, some book that would distract them from the television that instead of watching the news, they can grab a book and read. What would that one book be? Can I offer two? You can give two, of course. I know this is going to sound out of left field, but what comes to mind is The Giving Tree by Mm -hmm. Shel Silverstein. 
Do you remember that book no. as a kid? Mm-mm. I didn't read much as a kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is an amazing children's book. And it offers the opportunity that a young boy goes and visits a tree that he falls in love with. And the tree offers him things like a place to play, the trunk he can climb, uh, things to eat, apples that grow from the leaves on the tree. And as the boy begins to grow up, he has all of these desires. And the tree just wants to make him happy. And so the tree starts to give. He wants money. The tree says, take my apples and sell them. And he does. He wants to build a house, cut my branches down and build a house. He wants to travel, use my trunk as a boat or whatever this you know, exact scenario was. And ultimately, the boy starts to visit the tree less and less. And at the very end of the story, not to ruin anything... But the tree, <laughs> the tree is left with just a stump. And the boy, now an old man, comes and the tree says, I have nothing left to give you. And the boy says, you know, I'm too old to climb. I, you know, just need a place to sit and rest and to just be, to just exist. And the tree was able to offer that to the boy. And I think the really great lesson here is that we're always searching for something that we think will make us happy. And this idea of just sitting and being with who you are, feeling fulfilled and allowing things to unfold as they will is really the greatest lesson. And it goes back to this idea of of meditation and self-exploration. So check out The Giving Tree. And then my second book recommendation would be a new book that I heard from you (laughs) called Think and Grow Rich. And I think that we all have the desire for financial freedom, Mm -hmm. or I like to refer to it as financial flexibility, having the opportunity to do with your time and money what you want. This idea, even in the early chapters of the book, talk about um, the way you think and the way that you can create all that you desire by continuously repeating what it is that you want and finding a way to really believe that it's happening to get out of your own way. And so those are my two great book recommendations. Yeah. Uh, if you know me, you know I love Think and Grow Rich. I'm still working on putting all the practices into play, but it's amazing. It is amazing. And it's not like a brand new woo-woo book. It was written in 1937. And it is just a wealth of information. And I want to add, it's not just, you know, think and grow rich. You have to, again, put inspired action into play. Like, what are you going to do to create the riches in your life? So I'm going to link, I'll link all of that in the the show notes. you know what, I love the fact that it is an old or an older book, which I think has been, you know, updated over time. I believe that I've been through the original. But there's a great saying that, says if you want to learn new stuff read an old book mm-hmm. and um some of the the deep wisdom that is uh deeply rooted in some of the oldness of these books really works yeah today it cuts through the noise and gives you exactly what you need awesome so before we go tell everyone where they can find you and where are you Do you have anything going on where where, where can people sit with you absolutely i just introduced my um, new website so i'd love for you to check that out you can go to www. 
mymeditation.coach, no.com, just .coach. And there you can see what I'm doing. It will have links to uh, all the things that I do meditation related. Those are classes locally right outside here in a suburb of Philadelphia called Conshohocken. If you're in the area, check the class times out and come explore this practice of meditation. It's really cool because you do it in a group setting and we hold the space for one another. I also offer workshops as well as private instruction. A lot of people use the private instruction time to go really deep within and explore some uh, level of emotional trauma and try to figure out exactly who they want to be. And uh, we work through how to uh, meditate to really develop a strong practice. And I'll be offering a meditation teacher training, uh, which I'm excited will be out here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Also on the website, you can learn more about my coaching programs. Again, using the fundamental practice of meditation and its principles to shift away from or shift to something in your life or to make a complete transformation, which takes some time, but I walk you through the process, as well as working with schools and businesses, uh, whether it be through motivational speaking or bringing the practice as an employee benefit at work or part of the curriculum in a school. Uh, it's all meditation all the time. And uh, you can find me on social media at Jason Blau Meditation and Coaching on all of the socials. Uh, Joe will link, I'm sure, uh, all of the links so you can easily find me. And again, thanks for the opportunity to be here and connect with your audience and for uh, being a good friend. Uh, learned a lot from you over the last year or two that we've been working together and continue to be inspired by all the cool creative work that you put out there. Thanks, brother. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And Stella obviously needed to be part of this episode as well. So if you heard some barks and stuff, that was Stella. She just wanted to join in. So thank you all for being here. I will link everything that we talked about in the show notes that will be on my website at joelongophotography.com. And I will talk to you all next week. Now get out there and start living the best life that you possibly can.